The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Yeah, I just want to start out. I don't know if you guys uh, like to watch any TV shows, but how many of you ever watched that home improvement show? Anybody ever watch the home improvement shows? It's pretty cool. They take these houses that are like really messed up and they, they do these things and they fix them up and it's, it's really cool and you get these ideas of what people turn this into that. And I don't know about you, but that's inspiring sometimes. Uh, I wanted to start out this morning with a, a story of a couple who, who got a fixer Upper. They bought this fixer-upper, and it was everything they wanted. It had all the, the basics, and they started to go room to room and go through this house and just redo it. And finally, finally, when they were done, it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, their house looked like something out of Better Homes and Gardens. It was actually uh, completely beautiful. And so they're in their new home, and they're really loving this place after all the hard work they did. But what surprised them is a couple months later, they got up, and when they walked out to the living room, they saw a big crack in the wall, and they were shocked. So they didn't want to look at this crack in this beautiful home. They called up the handyman, and the handyman came out, and they said, can you fix this crack? And they said, sure, I can. And he gives them a price, and they said, fix it, and he fixes it. They pay him, and their house is back beautiful again. And a couple of months later, they come out to the living room, and there's a crack in their wall. And this time they figure, well, we're not going to call a handyman. We're going to step it up. We're calling a contractor. We're getting a real contractor in here. So they have the contractor come out and they they say, sir, can you you fix my wall? And he says, yeah, I sure can. And he gives them a bid and he does the job. He gets paid. Their house is back just the way they wanted it. They love it. It's perfect. Problem is, a couple months later, they walk out to the living room and they got a crack in their wall again. Now this time they're upset. They, they, that's it. They got on the phone looking for any advice they could, could find as far as who is the best person in the industry who can really get this job done. So they finally have an expert come out and they show him this crack and they said, sir, can you fix this crack in my wall? And the gentleman said, no, I can't. And he's like, I thought you're the expert. You're supposed to know everything. How come you can't fix the crack in my wall And the man said, sir, your problem is not the crack in the wall. Your problem is your foundation. You see, sir, your foundation, it's moving. And as long as your foundation's moving, this crack is going to keep coming back. As long as your foundation's moving, you're going to keep patching and painting, and the cracks are going to keep coming back. Your problem is not your wall. Your problem is is your foundation. How many of you guys have seen the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You guys know that? Not Leaning Tower of Pizza. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I think we have a picture for it up here. Um, Leaning Tower of Pisa. Okay, so the problem with the Leaning Tower of Pisa is not the way they started building all the floors. The problem was in the foundation. You see, the reason the Leaning Tower of Pisa is leaning like this, and it's pretty extreme, and they've tried things. They've, they've put a lot of money. They've tried to shirt things up. They've made adjustments, just like the story. They, they did a thing recently where they shut it down for a while, and they got it to move about 16 inches, okay? After tons and tons and tons of work, they got it to move 16 inches to try, but it's still the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and the reason is, is because of the foundation. 
See, it's not built on a solid surface. It's actually built, according to the archaeologists, it's built on clay, soft sand, and shells. That's the foundation. So sadly, the Leaning Tower of Pisa is going to actually fall down someday. It's just a matter of when. And the reason is because the foundation matters most. The foundation matters most. And the foundation matters most in your life and in my life too. If we don't get our foundation right, we're going to have some cracks in our walls. And we can patch those walls up. And we can paint them. And they might look pretty good for a little while. But the cracks keep coming back because there's foundation problems. And I want to talk to you today about foundations specifically for you and I to build our lives on the rock. We're going to look specifically this morning at how you can have an unshakable life. How you can have a life that is built on a solid foundation where your world will not be shaken. Oh, things will come against you. Yes, they will. Jesus promised that we will always have tribulation, but, but you don't have to be shaken out when the adversity comes. And we're going to look at four keys uh, to building an unshakable life. So I would encourage you, if you're a note taker, you might want to write some of these down because these are pretty profound and Jesus promises these to be some unshakable things that we need to hold on to in our life. And we're going to look at a couple of passages. The main one is Matthew 16. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, we have it for the screen up here. Uh, but Matthew 16, um, and you know, Jesus is, is, is teaching and he's going through Galilee and he's over in this area called Caesarea and he, and he shares uh, this thing. He sits down with the, with the apostles and he's been going around teaching and healing and raising the dead and, and, and the lame are walking and the blind are seeing and he's teaching these profound things and ca- uh, crowds are gathering along. He's multiplied the loaves and the fishes and he's done all these amazing things and every once in a while he says something that people don't get and they don't know what to do with it and crowds are following him and he's finally in a place right now uh, with, with his disciples and it starts like this in verse 37 of Matthew 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? You might want to underline that in your Bible. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You might want to underline this in your Bible. On this rock, I will build my church. This is key this morning. And also underline the gates of hell or Hades will not overcome it. That's key. You need to know that. And you also need what it says next. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Underline that, of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Jesus knows that he's going to the cross and he's got a three-year public ministry. And early on he's saying, I'm doing this so you will know, but don't go tell everyone I'm the Messiah just yet because things are, adversity is coming against him and he knows he's going to the cross, but he's got a timeline and this timeline's not going to be interrupted. The golden question in this passage, the golden question 
for really all of us, for them, for us, for everyone in the world, the golden question is this, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Because when you ask people about Jesus, who do you say he is, there's a lot of great things. You can take a, uh, you know, a, a world religions class and you might get some interest. Well, Jesus, you know, he's a good, um, good teacher, religious leader, some of the terms that would be used. Uh, he was a philosopher, some would say. Some might say a miracle worker. Uh, some would say a prophet. All these things are being said about Jesus. In fact, Gandhi told his people, he said, I encourage you to study fervently the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is recognized and respected you know, around the world for being a solid, humble, loving uh, model of how we should live life on these levels. But who do you say he is? Because there's a lot of descriptive words. And at the time, even though people saw some of the things Jesus was doing, they're like, I'm not sure. I think, I think he's a prophet. I think he's... I don't know, is he John the Baptist? I don't know, he's something cool, but I don't know what he is. And, and so there's all these different explanations, and the same is true today, of how people land on Jesus, and where do you land with Jesus? Because I will tell you, this matters monumentally. Why does it matter so much? Because everything hinges, everything hinges on who you say he is. Everything hinges on who you say he is. Talk about an unshakable life. This is where it begins. An unshakable life begins with who you say uh, Jesus is. Um, It hinges on this because through Jesus, he offers life abundantly now and life eternally later. Life abundantly now and life eternally later. There's a whole lot that hinges on who we say Jesus is. Now, Peter has this answer. And it's the first time it's actually come out of the mouths of the apostles. They're following Jesus. They're watching him. They're listening to the teaching. And now it's his turn to finally make a decision with a conviction based on everything you've seen, what you've learned, what you know, who am I? Who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you are clearly the Messiah, the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. The Jewish people have been waiting for a couple of thousand years for the Messiah um, since Moses, Moses promised there's one to come after me, listen to him, follow him. The, the Old Testament says that God is going to bring a new covenant. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. God says, I'm going to bring a new covenant. I'm going to bring a New Testament. It's not going to be like the old one, and it's going to come through the Messiah. So Peter says, you are that Messiah that we've been waiting for a long, long time. You're the Messiah, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, you're not just the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. You are the son of the living God. Now, I love this because the Messiah, the word Messiah means Christ. Christ, Messiah, same thing. Messiah or Mashiach in Hebrew and, and Christ in, in Greek. But the point is, Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He also adds this component of the son of God, which is profound, profound. Because if he's the son of God, then, then the DNA of the father is in the son. And then we have God the Father and God the Son, if he in fact is the Son of God. So this is monumentally important in who you say Jesus is, because some might even say, yeah, maybe even the Messiah, but the Son of God thing is monumental and it matters so much for an unshakable life. It really does. It matters so much. A couple of quick scriptures you're familiar with regarding the Messiah in the Old Testament 
who was promised to also be, also be, and maybe you have a Jewish background this morning and you maybe learned some things about Messiah according to the Old Testament, but did not know the Messiah was also going to be God's son. And it was promised that way and many miss it. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, I believe we have for the screen. This is what you get on your Christmas card every year or one of them. Uh, For unto us a child is born, a son, a son is given. In his name, it says, will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, El Gibor, Mighty God, God Almighty. The son will be called Mighty God. So the one to come, the promised Messiah, he's going to come. A son will be God, God's son right there. Uh, the next one we have is Isaiah seven fourteen, and it says this. You know this one too because you get this one on your Christmas card too. Um, Isaiah seven fourteen says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with us. It doesn't mean God's servant or God's messenger or God's prophet. Uh, It means God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. So the promise is when this promised Messiah comes, he's gonna be God's son and God will literally be walking with you when the son is walking with you. This is really, really enormous. A couple other quick scriptures in Psalm 2, it says this. God says this about the Messiah. God says in Psalm 2, 7, that the Messiah is my son talking about the Messiah. Uh, in Psalm 2.12, I love this passage. It so stands out like a sore thumb. It says this, Psalm 2.12, kiss the son and you will be blessed to put your trust in him. Kiss the son, S-O-N, not the son. Kiss the son and you will be blessed uh, to put your trust in him. So Jesus is the Messiah, but listen, family, he's even more than Messiah. He's Messiah, but he's more than Messiah. And this matters a lot. Because in him, he promises this unshakable life. In him and through him, there's some foundational things that do not uh, exist and cannot exist outside of him because of who he is. Peter says, yes, you're more than Messiah. You're the Messiah and you're the son of God. That's who I say you are. So I wanna ask you this morning, who do you say he is? And I mean this two ways. Who do you believe he is? But who do you say he is? Who do you say? Because if you have a little belief like, well, I kind of think that maybe he's you know, the Messiah and the Son of God. I'm talking about who do you say he is? Do you even say? Do you say in your life to people you know, friends, family, workplace, whatever, you know, do you say who Jesus is? Because Jesus is asking, who do you say? Who do you say that I am? And this is talking about saying who Jesus is. And I would say there is power, profound power in this confession the confession of who Jesus is. The Bible talks a lot about confessions. Speaking things out of your mouth have profound life. In fact, the Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. That, we, that there's power in speaking. And in this confession, there is profound power in acknowledging that, that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and the Son of God. And I believe we can't have a solid foundation without it. And so if you're a note taker this morning, uh, the first one is this. If you want to know how to build an unshakable life or to encourage others to have an unshakable life, the first one is this. Unshakable starts when we acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and Son of God. As Messiah and Son of God. This is where it begins. Because if you acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and Son of God, you listen to him completely differently. If Jesus is a healer or a prophet or a miracle worker or a teacher or a philosopher, you listen to him one way. But... If Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, 
is also the Son of God, God in flesh, working on planet Earth so that we would know the ways of God, that God became flesh and lived among us. When we believe that Jesus is that, as Peter is confessing right here, there's a whole nother level of life that we get in on. And right here, the unshakable starts when we acknowledge him as Messiah and Son of God. And here's, here's the proof. Here's an example. Right in the very passage, right when Peter says that, the very second that Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus says, first of all, you didn't just figure that out with your brain. The Father revealed that to you, but this is really cool. He says this to him. little play on words, but it's really rich. He says, Simon, the name Simon is Wavering One. How would you like to be called Wavering One your whole life? That would be lame, wouldn't it? You know, at school, imagine what school's like. Do you want to play? Uh, yeah, I guess so. No, maybe not. Yeah, I guess I will. No, maybe not. You know, everything in life, wavering, wavering. I don't know, kind of, sort of, yes, no, I don't know. Blown around, tossed around, no conviction. I don't know what the story was on Peter's life coming up, but his name means wavering one. His name means a guy that can't take a stand and say, yes, or no, or I'm convicted and I believe and I'm not being shaken. His name did not mean that. His his name meant the opposite. His name meant a guy who got pushed around and moved around and swayed around and really didn't stand for anything. It's been said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I think Simon was one of those kind of guys. At least his name suggests that. He's a wavering one. That's what his name means. And Jesus says, hey, hey, wavering one, Simon, wavering one, from now on, Because of what you just said. What did he just say? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, bravo. He goes, Simon, because you just said that, Simon is no longer your name. For now on, your name is Petros, which means little rock, stone. means rocky. You're not wavering one anymore because you took a position of truth with conviction. You landed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And because you did, you're not wavering anymore. You are rocky. You are a little rock now because you've said that. And then Jesus goes on in this uh, understanding of the words that they're being used in the Greek. And he says, wavering one, you're not wavering anymore. Now you're Petros, you're a stone, you're a little rocky. He goes, but on this Petra, this ginormous, enormous boulder, on this Petra, I am building my church. In other words, what he's saying, Peter, Simon, you made a confession, you made a statement that's bigger than life. You made a statement of who Jesus is, and it matters everything because how you and I build our life matters monumentally, and who Jesus is is foundation. Jesus is foundation. We can't build life or spiritual life without rock-solid foundation, and Jesus is laying this out here that there's people trying a lot of stuff and cracking walls and trying to fix them and cracking again, and Jesus is like, guys, it's all about foundation. It's all about your foundation. Simon, who do you say I am? You're the Messiah and you're God's son. Bravo. From now on, because you said that monumentally enormous rock solid truth, you are not wavering one anymore. Your name is Rocky. We're gonna call you Rocky because you're getting solid these days. But he says on this enormous truth that you just said, on this enormous truth, that is the truth, that is the foundation that I'm building my church on. 
It's that big of a foundation. It is that rock solid. It is that immovable. And so I want to just share a couple things about this, what Jesus is saying. And again, if you have those in your Bible, you might want to underline these because there's enormous ramifications for what Jesus says right here. He says, he goes, first he says, I will build my church. I will build my church. This, this is amazing. This is the first time it comes up in the New Testament. Um, in fact, this concept, this theme, we don't even really see this anywhere in the Bible until Jesus says, now, based on what you said, Peter, that is the foundation on which I will build my church. I, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, will build my church. This tells us a couple of things. There's a couple of things in this. It says that the church belongs to Jesus. I will build my church, he says. The church belongs to Jesus. That's important. It's important to know. I mean to really know that you know that you know that the church is God's idea. The church is God's plan. The church is God-made, not man-made. You have to know that because there's a thing today. It's kind of in Western society about the church. And how many of you have heard what I've heard like a hundred times? Oh, no, I love God. I'm good with God. I just, I don't like the church though, right? How many? Honestly, right? Yeah, okay. It's like everywhere. And so people are like fine with that. They don't care what Jesus says. They don't care what the Bible says. That's just their personal feeling. I'm good with God, but I don't like the church. So I don't go to church. I don't participate in church. I don't want to go to church. I don't like churches. I don't want to be around church. But I'm good with God. And so they got this issue with the church and they fail to realize, they really do. They think it's their idea or their version of the truth or their opinion. And that's all good. But the bottom line is, Jesus said, it's actually my church. It's my church. And I'm, I'm trying to build it. And people don't think about Jesus' church the way Jesus is thinking about his church. It's a big, pretty big deal, guys. It's God, God-made, not man-made. And Jesus says, by the way, I'm, I'm building it. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And this is his future tense, not like, okay, I'm done today. He's like, I'm going to build my church. Until I come back and you see me face to face, I'm going to be building my church. And this reality about Jesus uh, building his church I want to encourage you guys to look at the church a different way. Look at the church the way Jesus does. And I believe it's even a prophetic word for our land today. Look at the church the way Jesus does. Can we say that together? Look at the church the way Jesus does. One more time. Look at the church the way Jesus does. We got to look at the church the way Jesus does. Jesus said, it's my church and I'm going to build it on this rock. And if he says that he's building it, who are we to tear it down? I mean, think about the ramifications of this. Because we're fine dissing the church. Yeah, the church is lame. Oh, they just want, you know, there's opinions everywhere about churches or experiences and people tearing down the church. There's all kinds of stuff flying about what people think about the church or this experience I heard here and just tearing down the church. And Jesus is saying, whoa, guys, can you slow down, please? That's my church. And I'm trying to build it. And yeah, people fall short and they make mistakes. And if they do, speak to them. If people are off in the church, speak the truth in love. That's okay. Because people need correction and direction, and it's okay to do that. But, but with the church, with the church, it's the church of Jesus Christ. There's many passages in the Bible that say he's the head of the church. Ephesians does, other places. It's his church, guys. So when we talk about the church, the church belongs to Jesus, not to man. And Jesus says he's building it. So I would suggest that we don't have the right to tear it down. I, I, 
We don't have the right to tear it down. When we're talking about the church, another word the Bible uses is the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. And if you know anybody you care about and you love, ask them if it's okay to talk trash about their bride. I already know the answer. You know the answer too. Apps, you wouldn't even think of it. You would never talk bad to someone you care and love about their bride. But we excuse that with the church. Oh, God, no, we love you, the church. Oh, this church is lame. The church is, I don't know. We, we do it all the time. And I'm just saying, you know, if we were to really ask the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, do you, do you mind if I say all this stuff about the church? I think you'd get a little, be careful. The church belongs to Jesus and he's building it. Again, if you've got to talk to people about things, that's beautiful. Do that. Speak the truth in love. But the church, we've got to be careful. We've got to honor the church because it's not an institution of man. It isn't. Religion is, mechanisms and people, the way they build. But the relationship with God through this thing called the church is straight up Jesus' idea. It's been his plan from the beginning. And he plans on that, you know, building that until he comes back again. So that's really important. And this is what he says about the church too. And this is enormous if you want an unshakable life. You have to know this. Because this is a topic, an area where some people are like, I don't know about that one. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to know about that one and kind of walk around this one. But this is what Jesus says regarding building on his foundation and having an unshakable life. Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell cannot prevail. The gates of hell cannot stop the move of God in building his church and moving forward. When the people of God are assembled in a, in, in a sense of God, we're locking arms with you, Jesus, building your church. We're staying in step with you. The gates of hell cannot prevail. One of the contexts is the gates of hell coming against the church where the church can say, excuse me, you can't stop us. But the other dimension is the gates of hell. Uh, if you can think about this in the spiritual realm, there are people that have made bad choices in life. They've made mistakes in life. And the devil's got them all kind of clouded and, and confused and whatever the case may be. And God's like, I love them. I love them. Will you go and tell them I love them? Will you go and get them? And they're like sitting right there at the gates of hell. And we have this authority in the church that the gates of hell can't prevail against us, that we can go, boom, excuse me, hell, you, you, God loves you, come with me, come on, you're rescued ones, I don't know who you were, you're rescued ones, come, there are so many folks, and the gates of hell cannot prevail, and I think that makes the devil madder than anything else when he's had people kind of caught up and bound up and believe in a lie for a long time, he got, poop, excuse me, God's coming with me in Jesus' name, life is this way, come on. You are loved. You are loved, and there's a whole lot more. There's abundant life for you this way with Jesus. And then they start to put their life on the rock and start to build differently. This is where it happens. The gates of hell will not overcome it because they cannot overcome it. The second point this morning, if you're a note taker, on building an unshakable life is to become unshakable uh, by joining Jesus in what he is building. Join Jesus in what he is building. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Join Jesus in what he's building. Let's not disconnect from Jesus and say, well, you go do that, I'm gonna do my thing. That's a pretty shakable place to be. I would suggest the place to be is locking arms with Jesus and say, Jesus, if you're gonna build something, I want in with you. I wanna be on your foundation. I don't wanna be out here trying to build my own thing where I'm patching the wall every week. I wanna build with you. And so become unshakable by joining Jesus in what he is building. Uh, it says in 1 Peter 2.5 that you also are living stones. Remember Peter's a stone? Peter's rocky. 
You too are little Rockies, it says in 1 Peter. You too are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. See, Jesus is the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the one who sets the whole tempo of the whole building. And you and I are being built up, little Rockies built up into this realm. I think it's amazing. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, now we are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. What God is building, the Bible's saying we're part of it or we're supposed to be. But again, there's this modern thing today going, no, just me and God over here. I don't want to be any part of any collective anything. Even though it's designed by God and made by God for your benefit and blessing and for what he wants to do, we somehow alienate and disconnect. I want to encourage you guys to look at the church differently. Um, Here's another amazing resource, an amazing resource that you and I need if we're going to be unshakable. And I just want to say... In the beginning, some people, when you talk about spiritual things, you're okay at a certain level or maybe at another level. But when you start talking about deeply spiritual things, especially the invisible realm, uh, some would rather not hear about it or know about it. Um, Sometimes ignorance is bliss. We'd rather not know. We'd rather not see. We'd rather not hear. But I just want to tell you, Jesus did not deal with the invisible realm that way. Jesus dealt very directly with the invisible realm. Remember one time he's like, get behind me, Satan? right? He's not just going, oh, I just hope things go away. I just, I just won't look and I won't turn my head and I hope. He's like, no, I'm going to speak to that. That isn't from God. That is from hell. And I am going to speak to it. Boom, get behind me. Whoa. Pretty extreme, isn't it? That's what spiritual authority looks like. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, Satan himself went to him and tempted him and threw everything he could at him to mess him up. And Jesus pulls out the sword of the spirit and says, it is written with authority at him. And the devil's like, ah, I can't hear this. He's like, it is written. Devil's like, ah, I'm out of here. I'm out. I'm out. I can't, I can't deal with this. Jesus taking his spiritual authority and hell's on the run. In the Bible, Paul's got a whole lot to say about it. So I, no matter where you're at this morning, I don't want you to be freaked out about this next portion, but I want to encourage you to explore uh, this next realm. Jesus is saying this. And I asked you to underline it earlier in your Bible. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says, I'm giving you spiritual keys. If God offers you a spiritual key, you take the spiritual key. If God offers you a spiritual key, you take the spiritual key. You don't just go, whatever, I don't want. No, you take that spiritual key and you put that on your keychain and you keep that keychain for life because he's given you a spiritual keychain. And a a key by definition is to lock or unlock things. You lock things or you unlock. That's what keys are for. That's the whole point is to unlock and to lock. And he's saying, I'm giving you spiritual keys to lock and unlock some spiritual stuff that you did not know you could because we can't on our own. We can't spiritually lock and unlock stuff on our own. So this is going on to say um, that we can lock. And in fact, he says this thing about giving you spiritual keys. He says it two times. He says it again in Matthew 18, 18. And he's not just talking to Peter. He's talking to all the, all the disciples. Same thing. He says the same thing just a couple of chapters later, Matthew 18. He's like, look, guys, understand I'm giving you spiritual keys to lock and unlock stuff. This is important. This is what he's saying. He said, on earth, on earth... You can lock things up and they're going to get locked up in the spiritual realm. 
And on earth, you can unlock things, and they're going to get unlocked in the spiritual realm. I know that might sound pretty broad, or what in the world does that mean? Uh, but the fact of the matter is, these worlds are colliding, the spiritual world and the, and the natural world. If you turn on the 11 o'clock news and you see some of the heinous things that happen, that's just because, it's not because someone just didn't have their meds, or they were having a little psychological problem. Uh, some of the things you see on the news is because hell is having a heyday. And people are manifesting in kind of ways that you're like, who would ever do the kind of this? That's just evil. Do you ever see something and go, that's just evil? It's not psychological. It's not meds. There's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. You look at that and go, that is evil. It's evil. When I look at what ISIS is doing, that's not just an ideology. It's flat out evil. When you think you can kill in the name of God and Christians and Jews and take people's heads off and do what they do, that is evil. Evil, that is not psychological. It's just a religious worldview. No, it's way beyond that, guys. It's evil, it's evil. And so you gotta call evil what it is and you gotta have the tools to deal with these things. And he's saying that on earth you can unlock some stuff. It's gonna get unlocked in the spiritual. You can also lock some stuff. To the first century listener, at least to the Jewish audience, this context was forbidding and permitting things. You could forbid some things here on earth that are going to get forbidden in the spiritual realm, locked. Or you can permit some things in this realm that's going to get tied to the next realm. And that's kind of what prayer is anyway. We're praying here in the natural with our human voice, and yet we're piercing and transcending into a spiritual realm, right? So these worlds are connected, and Jesus is like, I'm just trying to give you some tools of engagement so you can be unshakable. And so... To become unshakable, we need to use this God-given authority. So our third point this morning is this, and this is important. To be unshakable, discover and operate in your God-given spiritual authority. To be unshakable, you got to discover and operate in your God-given spiritual authority. He's like, I'm talking to disciples, followers of Jesus. I'm giving you spiritual keys. You want to take them? Some are like, I don't like that topic. No. He's like, no. Discover and operate in them so you can function in this next realm of being unshakable. There's things in your life that come against you, not everything, but there are things in your life that come against you that are spiritual in nature. Can I get an amen? There are things, not everything, not everything. You got a flat tire, don't blame the devil. He didn't run out and stick a nail in the street for you. I don't, he might have, but uh, let's not blame him for anything. You know, if somebody, uh, you know, gets written up on the job, maybe it's because we showed up late and weren't doing a good job. Don't blame the devil, uh, you know, on certain, but, but the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour who he may. And there are assignments and the Bible has a whole lot to say about the schemes, the schemes against believers. So we can't ignore the topic. And this is telling us that if you want to be unshakable, Jesus is talking about building on the rock, this foundation of a, of a rock on, that he's building his church on, that to be unshakable, you've got to discover and operate in your God-given spiritual authority. And, and, uh, we're going to just play this video for you right now, but I just want to tell you sometimes in life, spiritual things can come against you and I, and you don't know what it is. You might think it's depression. You might think it's oppression. Um, you know, one of the highest things, especially among teens in this country is suicide. You guys know that? That's beyond just chemicals, guys. There's a one who loves to steal life. The devil comes to steal, rob, and destroy He's a liar. He's an accuser. He puts ideas, and, and people start believing him. 
And, and some things are spiritual in nature. And we've got to call them what they are. And sometimes hell is trying to get us to do things or not do things. Sometimes hell is literally telling us where we ought to go. And sometimes we need to turn around and tell hell where it needs to go. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus modeled this. That might sound harsh or freak you out a little bit, but I'm just telling you, this is a dimension and a level of life. We have a video clip here that, exp- uh, that illustrates what that might look like. I don't know where you are, devil. But I know you can hear me. You have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. So take your lies, your schemes, and your accusations and get out in Jesus' name. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my daughter. And you sure can't have my man. This house is under new management. And that means you are out. And another thing. I am so sick of you stealing my joy. But that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone. Pretty profound, pretty powerful. Not a little light lunch conversation topic. I will give you that. But listen here, guys. We're not here to just sing kumbaya and have a good time. We're here to overcome. We overcome. We overcome him. We overcome obstacles. We're here to have unshakable lives. And and so topics like this, even though it's like, I know for some of you, and I I can understand this, and I I appreciate it. For some of you, that's that's not even the invisible realm. We'd rather not go there. But I'm just saying, Jesus is like, if you want an unshakable life, I got some keys for you. They're spiritual, be wise to take them. You don't have to, but I got them right here for you. Learn how to engage through prayer and authority that you have in Jesus where you permit and you forbid, where you bind, where you loose, where you lock, where you unlock. This is what he's telling followers. It's available for you, so to be unshakable, you gotta discover and operate in your God-given spiritual gifts. I just wanna bring up this last one really quick, and it's Matthew chapter seven. And, and um Jesus is talking about how he builds things and what's unshakable. And uh, Jesus is saying, on this rock, I will build. And if Jesus says, on this rock, I will build, you and I should say, you know what, Jesus? Then we want to build with you. If you're going to build on a rock, we want to build with you. Um, And so this is really, really important. Um, And it says in Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to pick this up in verse 24 really briefly. It says this, therefore... 
Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We have a couple of pictures right here of what that might look like. Uh, I think we have a picture of somebody who built on the sand. The waves came, the wind came, and that's what happens when you, when you build on the sand. But we have another one in a comparison when you build on the rock. Things are unshakable, guys, because the foundation is key. The foundation is everything. And our foundation really needs to be on Jesus. The last point this morning, the last point, is to build an unshakable life. We have to hear, believe, and practice the word. Hear, believe, and practice the word. We can't practice what we're not hearing and believing. You're hearing, throughout your day, you hear so many things on the radio, opinions, everything. We hear so much stuff, lyrics and songs. We hear so much stuff. Some of it might be good. A lot of it's like sand. A lot of it's just ideas. A lot of it's like sand. We can't build on that stuff. But what happens, human, this is, the, the humanity us is very natural, is that we hear things, even if it's not true, and sometimes we start believing it. And once we believe something, then we begin to act on what we believe. Almost everything we do, we act on what we believe to be good for us, not good for us. We act on what we believe. And Jesus is saying, listen, hear my words. If you hear my words and believe them, you're going to act on those. Your life will be unshakable. You will have an unshakable life. Because guys, everyone starts life, but how we finish it, how we finish it matters most. And there's so many that started okay and the foundation got a little weird. It got a little sandy. Things started to crack and there's cracks and walls. Jesus is like, would you come back to the basics and build your foundation on me? I just want to share these last few things really quick and this might be good if the worship team comes up. Um, because this is how we overcome storms. A couple of practical things in your life, and maybe you're in one of these categories, one of these camps. How do you take a message like this and apply it to your life in a real, clear, defined, literal way? How does this apply to you in building your life on the foundation? Uh, I would say this, start with, start with daily devotions. If you're not starting your morning with meeting with God and having daily devotions, we're already off. Our day, our clock, our calendar is already off without a foundation. It's well-intended but there's not a foundation. Your day will go so much better if you start with the foundation of a devotional life. So start doing that. On your weekly life, on your weekly life, come to church, whether it's this church or any church that's teaching the word of God, find a fellowship where the word and the spirit are present and God is doing a work, but everyone needs to get plugged into a church because it's Jesus' idea. And there's something that happens. We get built up, we get stronger. We find our place in what God's building That doesn't really happen outside the church. It's his idea, his plan. So a place to get built back on the rock is daily devotions and and, and committing to church. Um, Another area is this. Maybe in your friendships, I don't know what friendships you have in your life, but if you find that you have a lot of friends, uh, you don't have a lot of friends that are believers that are in the church, uh, I'd recommend you start connecting with some because the Bible calls that fellowship and profound things happen to us when we're around other believers. They encourage us, we encourage them, we, we share, we challenge, we strengthen one another, and you're not going to get that 
outside the family of believers. And so that's key. If you want to have a foundation in your life, some people are just going to tell you what you want to hear, uh, but, but you need a family of believers. You need to be plugged into a family where there's true fellowship, where there's real challenge, truth, care, love, all these things. Uh, maybe, maybe your family or your marriage has some cracks and you patch them and you paint them. Uh, and it's normal, it's part of life, but I'll tell you this, we have to get back to our foundation. And so in your marriage or your family, maybe you need to check your foundation at home. Check your foundation at home and say, is my house, can I really say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Can I say that or not? Maybe you need to go back to the way we're doing family or doing marriage and say, what does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about family? Let's get back to that foundation and watch the fruit that could come out of it. Maybe your finances are shaken. Maybe your finances are upside down. You're like, yeah, my finances are all jacked up. I would say this. Anything that's not consecrated to God, I think will get shaken and can get shaken. Put God first and watch him do what he promises to do. There's no other, I mean, you got, we got to do things God's way. We got to put things on the rock. Maybe you have plans for your future. Maybe you got plans for what you want to do or what's to come with business or dreams or things you're creating or inventing or uh, projects or the arts. That's great. And I trust God's stirring a lot of things in you. Wouldn't it be nice to know, God, am I building this thing on the rock or am I building it on sand? Is it going to shift and move and start cracking or is it something you're going to get behind? I would encourage you, even for that, that you take plans like that and you say, come to God and say, I don't want to build on sand. Life is too short. La vida es muy corta, right? Life is way too short. We can't be building on sand, family. We got to build on the rock. We got to build some stuff with God that, that's going to last, that's going to grow. That's not going to, when the storms come, and they do come, they'll always come. The rain will fall on you. The winds will blow against you. The, the tides will rise up underneath you. But it doesn't mean we need to be shaken if we're really on the foundation. I want to encourage you guys Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to our foundation. Let's really ask ourselves in these areas, am I building on the foundation of Jesus or am I doing my own thing? Anything else is sand. Might even sound well-intended. Might even sound reasonable. The foundation, Jesus is the rock. He's the rock. And so I'm gonna close in prayer right now and I just want to encourage us to enter into what God wants to do right now. Mighty God, we love you and we we thank you for your word. And I just want to pray uh, this morning since so much hinges on um, this reality that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Uh, Not just teacher, not just miracle worker, not just prophet, not just good example. Uh, You're so much more than that. And Lord, uh, really life begins. When we turn and acknowledge you for who you are, that's when life begins. That's when we go from just creation, God's creation into God's sons and daughters. Literally, we become children of God through Jesus when we acknowledge what Jesus did. And so, Lord, I just want to pray this morning. And if you're here this morning and you just sense God saying, thank you for honoring me and thank you for respecting me, that's why you're even here this morning. Thank you. The Lord is pleased that you're seeking him. But he's got so much more. And it doesn't come just out of respect. It comes out of acknowledgement. He said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the, my father and the angels in heaven. That if you acknowledge me, like he'll say to Peter, well done, that is beautiful. You are no longer wavering one. You are little Rocky. 
If you acknowledge me, if you enter into what I'm doing, I'm going to build some stuff with you and it won't be shakable. Just stay on the foundation. Don't jump off. Stay on the foundation. Because outside of it, we're just going to keep patching our walls every time they get a crack. We're going to patch things in our lives. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you right now that today would be a day that God is calling you to step over the line from a place of just checking out the kingdom of God or respecting God to fully acknowledging the fullness of who he is and that you want to step on the rock. Maybe your life has been a little rocky. Maybe there have been some cracks. We all get cracks, but we need to get on the rock with the ultimate unshakable one. If that's you this morning, I just want to agree with you in prayer. If you're ready to make that decision to just accept Jesus at his word, I just would encourage you. Would you raise your hand this morning? I just want to agree with you in prayer. Amen. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Just keep them up for a second. Praise you, Jesus. Anybody else this morning wants to step over the line? Thank you. Just give God a second. Anybody else this morning that wants to say, you know what? I respect you, God. I honor you, but I want to build my life on the rock that you offer. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Lord, I just want to pray, Lord God, for those who said yes to you like that. You say like to Peter, you say bravo with a big smile. You were so happy. You say bravo. You say well done. And you say you are not wavering one anymore. When you make that decision, when you make that conviction, you are not wavering one. Oh, no. You're a little rock. You're a stone. You're a chip off the old block, and and, and Jesus is the block. You are... You are, you have substance now. And because of that, God wants to build some profound things in your life. It begins with turning and following and he takes away our sins. We begin to learn how to walk with him and he'll begin to show us. We don't have it all down, but he will show you as you step, as you walk, as you decide, as you live, what is sand and what is rock? What is sand and what is rock? So Lord, I pray you take the sermon in this room to a whole new level. Take discernment in this room to a whole new level on what's sandy and what is solid. In Jesus' name, Lord God, I thank you for that. And Lord, everybody else this morning, Lord God, I just pray, I pray that you'd help us discover what areas of our life are not on the rock. Maybe some of our entertainment or our this or our hobbies or maybe there's other areas that are just not on the rock. I pray you'd begin to show us and we'd build it on the foundation and that you would be pleased and you would build some profound things. I even pray that this year, this year, you'd begin to build some great things in the lives of everyone here, everyone who believes your word, who's stepping on the rock with you, that this year there'd be some things made, created, and birthed that would be profound and would bless you and bless many. We thank you for that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen, guys. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages, or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.